0: On this episode of Rewild My Bio, we are talking about roadkill. That's right, I'm just going to ask that you, maybe, if you're a squeamish person, yeah, I don't know. Might not be the one for you, but if you are a person that is into the idea of procuring food, wild food, that is, via roadkill, then this one has got some tips and tricks. And overall, just my story of recently coming across a uh, recently deceased a male white-tailed deer um, that I was able to procure and luckily take action and honestly commune with nature. It was just, it was an amazing story. I'm not going to say much here in this intro. I'm going to keep it short as I've always been promising as of late with these intros because yeah, I share my story and basically some tips as to what you can do. So all I'm going to say is that everything is over at rewildmybio.com slash roadkill. And what specifically is over there are uh, basically, yeah, like a kind of a little checklist as what to do to safely procure roadkill. So there's a lot of good tidbits in there. This is, of course, no one size fits all, you know, template, if you will. I think every situation is going to require you to fully use all your senses and become mindful and present and then listen as to what to do next so that you can do it safely. And yeah, put food on your table. It's a, a wonderful thing. And yeah, like I say, stay open, stay open to this um, because trust me in the beginning, I share my you know, previous sentiment or regard around, uh, yeah, this whole concept. And I get how it might, it might have some stigma, might seem gross, but it's something that you can do very safely. And um, that's of course, if you're prepared to, Tap into the wildness that you are and commune with your local ecology. And yeah, listen to what the living earth has to say to us. And I get right into that very cool story here today. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Guys and girls, of course. And yeah, as always, everything is over at the show notes. It's rewildmybio.com slash roadkill. Please check it out. If you haven't, last thing I'll ask, please, if you haven't, please rate and review This podcast, as always, it helps folks find uh, the show. And as of late, there's been a lot of momentum in folks looking to rewild and sharpen or enhance or for the first time ever, cultivate, say, uh, nature connection practices. I'm really excited to see this kind of uptick in listeners. And I really have no idea what it is that's causing this. I'm not doing anything different over here. Um, So yeah, if you guys are new to the show, please, and you haven't rated or reviewed it yet, Please head over on the platform of your choice and click that five star rating and if you also have a minute share it with a friend because that means the most to me because I think it's it's great to have an online community or connections in the world of rewilding but at the same time this stuff as I've mentioned before it's a bit of a paradox because we need to get our hands dirty in the soil regenerating it and reconnecting with mother earth. So anyways, I've said enough. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. so we're gonna dive right into this episode here all about my experience my recent experience collecting a uh, roadkill deer uh, white tailed deer from the side of the road it was I'd say unexpected but at the same time uh, I kind of think well, I don't kind of think I know that I manifested this the day that I realized I would not be filling my white tail deer tag last hunting season uh, so as soon as I realized that wasn't my reality, I started dreaming in this very story that I'm about to share with you guys. But for those of you out there who, uh, you know, you want to learn because this episode's primary purpose is for one, me to just tell you the story and to uh, learn exactly how to safely, uh, you know, secure process roadkill um so i'm going to do that via the story here with uh, my experience collecting this white-tailed deer but i guess i would just caution here at first just you know suspend any uh, judgment that you may have about consuming roadkill honestly um like just park the stigma or let's just address the stigma that you know it's gross it's dirty uh i mean there's lots of i think there's a lot of like derogatory uh things I could think of that one might think of towards someone who eats roadkill. And I probably have that, you know, belief system because I once had those beliefs about people who eat roadkill or eat the idea of eating roadkill. You know, I thought it was like gross and dirty. And why would anybody ever do that? Right. So this is, again, part of my rewilding journey and how I'm just kind of relearning some of these things or how I'm under, have a different understanding of making, you know, a symbiotic relationship with the Ecosystem, I find myself in. So, to not consume a freshly killed white-tailed deer when I'm <laughs> when I've got an empty freezer, it just doesn't make any sense anymore to me. So, of course, I'm going to uh, go about this process, and I'm going to share here today on how um, to, you know, safely go ahead and do that. And safely isn't just more so just my experience, so that hopefully you guys can uh, out there can listening can you know benefit from. What I would do differently, maybe next time, or what I feel like was, um, you know, successful in this in this case. So, yeah. Um, don't and don't get me wrong. Eating roadkill can be gross. Um, I've had experiences. Uh, I guess as like a backdrop here. I've this is the third white tailed deer um, I've had a hand in processing um, that was collected via getting hit by a car, and um, you know it, it's. Yeah, I've had, I've had deer before where there was a lot of meat spoilage and damage from the accident and uh, you're trying to maybe get as much as possible or use as much as possible I should say from the animal and maybe overtaking uh, areas that might just have like coagulated blood or damage, bruising, etc. So yeah, it, it definitely can be gross. Now on Instagram, I um, turned a lot of heads with my roadkill carpaccio of venison um, didn't give a full-out recipe, but I guess I can give a shout-out here to the meat-eater uh, cook or wild fish and game cookbook because um, there is actual recipe in there for, a, a, I believe, like an elk carpaccio. And um, honestly, this this animal is fresh and perfect, and I'll get into the quality of the meat here as we go, but um, it doesn't always have to be gross, and that was kind of the point of that post, just to kind of take something that would make most people say, ooh, that's gross, then I guess was something else that most people might say is gross, which is eating raw, um, you know, red meat. And then the fact that it's roadkill, I guess shock and awe tactic on my behalf to try to say, hey, look, this is totally palatable. And honestly, that meal was delicious. Um, and I've actually, I've only made carpaccio once before with beef. And so this turned out really, really well. So I'll link the uh, recipe that I used in the show notes for sure. Now, I'm gonna go through, I guess, like a, a few like points. I think first, because I'll give you the the you know the tools, if you will, first, and then I'll kind of like share my story towards the end of it. Um, but anyways, yeah, back or maybe even before that, kind of in, in manifesting this whole thing, um, it was funny to me the night that I secured this animal. Um, it was the night of the Super Bowl. So um, here in southwestern Ontario, it was like the coldest night of the year so far. I think we were looking at like minus 14 when I was out, um, you know, field dressing the animal. And um, it was, uh, I kept saying over and over again, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And that's just it. And that was kind of towards the end of of the night after i had processed it i started saying you know i can't believe it but it's you, you get this high um it, it's just like with hunting where you're uh connecting in a conscious way with the animal that you are about to consume it's different in the sense here that you haven't personally killed the animal um but it's just amazing that sense of connection and so you i kind of you just you, it raises you up and um you know, I have so much gratitude for, um, that space that you're able to kind of enter these flow states in and connect and just have these overwhelming, um, you know, positive sense of connection with, with nature and with this specific deer, it was just truly beautiful. So, um, I, uh, when I did approach this deer, when I, when I, and I'll start the story and I'll kind of segue into these, um, you know, kind of tools here or tips rather, but, um, when I approached the deer, um, it was in the bottom of a uh, basically it's a ravine there's a huge creek that has a bridge um, at the county road that i was on um the bridge goes over and this animal was actually hit right there on the bridge so poor fellow must have um, you know not been able to get off the bridge not didn't want to jump in the water obviously or i don't know but um, it w- there was snow on the road so there was i could see the swerve marks but anyways it was a very where i'm getting at with this is that it was a very unsafe um, space to, uh, basically stop. There was no way to pull over and grab this deer because literally there was no shoulder. So, and the way, the way this kind of topography worked, um, again, it was like basically the bottom of, of a valley. So, um, and on a bend. So it's just like not a safe spot if someone was barreling down there and truck traffic often does on this road. So, um, in my mind, uh, I was thinking, you know, be safe, right? So I think, that's kind of the first thing that I want to bring up here because, uh, you know, I basically became really aware of the surroundings as having some danger to it, right? Um, and I could you could sense that. So, I mean, I, the first thing I think, and it's kind of interesting because when connecting with nature, I, one of the first things we can do to help that process or you know facilitate that connection is just stop and take a breath right so in these like emergency situations whether it be like a first aid situation i've always benefited in the past from trainings you know within first aid survival type stuff where you want to actually just stop take a breath you know take an account um, be mindful and then you kind of walk into the situation so it was interesting cuz i was in a quite peaceful state uh, my girlfriend and i driving uh, home And uh, just, yeah, really relaxing Sunday drive, nice music. And uh, essentially, uh, that breath that I took right before I kind of walked up to the animal to assess the situation, um, I was able to kind of hear a message from that specific deer saying, take me. So, and as soon as I heard that, I instantly, because one, I wanted it personally, like... (laughs) I really wanted this to happen. I wanted this roadkill, but at the same time it was right time, right place. You know, people could say luck. I wouldn't say this is luck. This is just a synergistic uh, meeting of two souls. And yeah, like he was mine and I was his. And, and I mean that in the sense that I was able to care uh, for this animal, which, you know, unfortunately was died in a horrible way that, um, honestly just it's it's very sad to think of animals being hit on the road and now I know as someone who's maybe if if you're out there and you don't hunt you might not understand how I mean death is death is death so there's an element of loss and sorrow and grief that should be honored and so yeah so anyways I felt the gratitude there in that moment I just it just felt right so so right from there it kind of entered this flow state and this high that kind of took me going for about two hours until I got this thing all you know gutted and everything so that's the first thing, just, you know, safe collection, be be wise, you're on the side of the road, if it is a big animal like this, obviously having someone to lift it is important. Um, so luckily I had pulled up, saw this deer, kept driving, turned around, came back down the valley, into the bottom of the valley, and right as I did that, um, municipal uh, highway workers were pulling up, obviously getting, me finding out, um, you know, that they got a call f- about this crash and uh, from the police, and that they were there to, to clean up the road, one but two remove the animal's carcass. So, um, that's I guess kind of like two things in there is um, well. I was saying it on the safe collection piece. I was able to have them help me load it up, which was awesome because this deer was well over a hundred pounds. So it was just a, you know a challenging lift to get it into the back of a two door uh, Jeep. That is so that's that's kind of uh, I didn't post that picture on Instagram for the sake of the animal and just the whole thing, but it's, uh, I did, yeah, fitting this animal in the back of a Jeep, I guess was, uh, it was a feat in itself, but, um, anyways, where I was going with the, the municipal workers is, is knowing the law and like some, in some ways hate saying this, but it is true. We have to know the law, uh, in and around now. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy to me to think that you couldn't in some, I guess in some States, I know here in Ontario, you can, and I'll even, uh, leave a, uh, link in the show notes here if you are in Ontario on how on the the laws around keeping a dead wild animal now obviously like if you're collecting an animal that's like say a bald eagle um there's you know I could see how that would be something you'd really have to do some explaining if it's in your possession and I'm not even sure if that's legal or not here Or, but anyways um yeah, knowing the law is important. Hate, you know, hate sound, sounding so patriarchal here and, and whatnot, but uh, especially because we're talking about food here, right? We're talking about collecting roadkill for food specifically. So it is odd that to me, anyways, that you can't uh, collect and sometimes getting uh, a tag for these animals is what you're supposed to do. And, and that is what you're supposed to do here in Ontario. So I'll leave that link in the show notes. Um, do check that out. Other than that, um, the freshness and the safeness, you know of consumption. So you want to check into freshness. Now I mentioned chatting with the municipal workers, obviously every, there's no like hard, fast guide here that I plan on sharing with folks. But I mean, obviously if you're going to assess freshness and if you have someone to talk to like this municipal worker who actually let me know that, you know, this accident happened just about 30 minutes prior to me pulling up, you're able to get information, right? But I mean, that's the same idea as like using all your senses, you know, just again, like with nature connection. Um, and you'll be guided as to what steps to do next, right? So freshness, um, yeah, using all your senses. When I walked up on the animal, given its location and the fact that that location wasn't so safe to be standing. Um, now obviously with the municipal workers, once they pulled up, they actually put their flashing lights on. So still not the safest area. Um, but I'm walking up to the animal and, uh, didn't really give a, huge overall assessment at first I did see that there was no like road rash or no uh blood and you know anywhere really on the on the carcass itself I did notice uh its back hind leg had been uh broken so I figured there was like hip damage in there and then obviously it kind of looked like just like a side blunt trauma overall again not not too much damage but when that's when that happens a lot of times like in internal organs will cur- like get busted uh, open and obviously that can potentially spoil the meat so um, but anyways Dave a really quick visual and uh, again mentioning this was a cold night so again using your senses uh, if this was a warm summer day uh, using your nose like it's a whole different ball game if it's not the coldest night of the year. Um, obviously from a meat spoilage st- standpoint the, the cold is what you want so uh, you know middle of the summer you're using your nose you're looking at the eyes of the animal of you know the dispatched animal you want to make sure that the eyes are clear and not super cloudy Um, obviously touching the body itself and getting a sense of its warmth warmth being important for freshness and or at least knowing that it's it's still fresh Um, so if you're pulling up on something in the middle of the summer and it's got no smell and it's warm well of course it's going to be warm if the say the sun is beating down on it so at that point in time you kind of have to if you want to take that and we'll go a little bit farther and actually um you can check the elasticity of the skin that would be one really good way so right you know if it's all rigor mortis and stiff um that you know is a clear sign so it's like again seasonal it's just having you know awareness of there's really if you know what you're doing it's like a lot of things there's really little risk but of course if you were to google search this stuff on the internet it's like y'all get sick and Things like that so anyways just being aware being mindful you know being fully connected and present and uh yeah i think we can use our senses to to figure this out right so um but yeah the climate i think the climate being a big the big kind of uh determining factor or variable that would then decide what type of senses you might want to be using um anyways yeah so in assessing damage um after if you kind of say yeah this thing's fresh i want to take it with me uh you know loading up safe and all that um or you could do this right here is assess the the damage right because let's say if so in my case having a jeep which you know is used as a uh, you know utility type vehicle very much with hunting and and whatnot outdoors things so it's a dirty jeep um and so putting that carcass in there didn't bother me if i got a little bit blood or you know even like some scat some feces droppings like that is what happens when animals die right so it's just kind of part of it so having you know having an ability to actually load up a big animal small animals easier um but yeah having you know having things like um your bug out bag there with tools is important and i'll touch on bug out bag stuff here more in a second but um Where else can I say about, yeah, so assessing damage, and and again, with this animal, I kind of had an assumption that since there was no blood on the road, there was internal bleeding, and I kind of, that told me that I wanted to get this animal opened up and gutted as soon as possible so that I could get into butchering or at least, you know, see what's going on with the meat and and let it bleed out. Um, Because, yeah, again, hitting the stomach and erupting that, you'll get the stomach acids on the meat, and that will taint things, Um, now that is what happened here in this case, so the liver, like it wasn't planning on taking this animal's liver as is, given the trauma, but um, yeah, the liver was covered in like grass and stomach contents, right, so, um, but anyways, yeah, so another thing too, obviously wasn't part of my story, but worth mentioning is like bugs and maggots, I have rode, or driven up on uh, roadkill in warm months and just stepping out to take a look at it. And as soon as you see flies and maggots and you can smell it from like eight feet away, it's uh, it's pretty much a no brainer that you're not taking that animal with you, but having, um, you know, having again, your, your, your proper uh, PPE, if you will. And this is like one of the few times where it's like having hand sanitizer. I know it's blowing my mind even speaking about hand sanitizer, but some type of hand, uh, you know, hand wash or some type of uh, essential oil, that you could use there's you know there's rosemary uh oil water there's different uh cleaners out there that you don't have to use hand sanitizer but honestly if you say were were to, were to walk up and handle an animal say without surgical gloves that has been dead for a little while and you didn't use your nose if, as soon as you touch that um getting that off your hands kind of immediately those oils off your hands immediately will help you save friends so just uh, some type of yeah again a bug out bag and i think uh the, conversation for bug out bags will definitely be a topic for future podcasts um but yeah uh you know bug out bag having things like a knife so in my vehicle i have a backpack that has pretty much all things survival in it so having a knife having a, a game bag in there for these instances for roadkill um i mentioned yeah like Um, obviously having the space to load animals, but uh, things like bags and and stuff like that. Surgical gloves, obviously keeping those in there. Um, And I guess in this era with COVID anyways, there was, you know, I have, I have surgical gloves around. So it's just nice to kind of keep in your, in your car for these instances. Right. Um, But essentially, yeah, that's, uh, so with this animal, the funny thing is, is I was actually uh, coming back. I had dropped off some of my uh, equipment for a, uh, for an upcoming uh, bushcraft camping excursion and uh, snowshoe hare hunting um, expedition. We'll just call it that because it's going to be pretty epic. But uh, yeah, that that I've got coming up. So I was actually just to make uh, traveling easier. I was dropping off my luggage, and in that luggage had literally all my knives – for this trip, so I took like sure, I still had some knives with me, but uh, luckily um, got a hold of a friend, borrowed some knives um, in order to do the butchering. But all butchering was done back at my home, so I was able to load this uh, this buck up, and it was a buck too. So, I mean, picking this guy up, it is a big bodied deer, and um, had actually just probably days before dropped his antlers, so um, couldn't see them at the site. And, have uh, had my brother check it out the next day and yeah, they were, uh, not there anymore. So anyways, this, uh, buck, um, got him into the vehicle, um, was able to borrow, uh, you know, field dressing knives and whatnot, sharp knives anyways, uh, for the whole processing. So once I, once I got the deer out of the Jeep and onto the ground, I mean, like I say, it was night of the Super Bowl, very cold here in Ontario. And uh, again, riding this high. So I'm just like hearts beating and I'm hot, you know, wearing just like base layer, very little clothing, but just like just high on life. So um, got the tools all laid out. And and I think just, you know, this is an audio podcast. So me getting into how to butcher or butchering or anything like that's it's, it's not the purposes here um, today. But uh, so, yeah, we'll talk about butchering animals, I think in in a future podcast also, but, um, what my options were here is, uh, you know, I could have very well went with say a gutless method. And if, if I was really concerned about this animal sitting for a while, let's say, and, uh, that meat spoilage from the stomach contents being everywhere and ruining meat, then I would have, um, probably done a gutless method. And instead of actually like field dressing and opening up and removing the guts of the animal, I would just basically cut off things like, you know, the back ham, the front shoulder. Um, You can debone the ribs that way. You can uh, take out the back strap um, and all that. But what I did was, so this, I had known basically from feeling the animal and looking, I could tell that one femur was broken. Um, So I knew there'd be some damage on one back ham. So I would have some meat spoilage there. And then the other side, I couldn't tell that it was broken. But the hardest thing about, um, well, one, I was by myself, but two, just, yeah, trying to hold this animal's legs in such a way that would allow me to make the first cut down at the animal's anus and uh, that was very very difficult so it was just like I'm sweating it's cold out but uh, you know it was it was actually a lot of I had it was Super Bowl night so I did have a couple of cold ones nearby so it was just really like for me anyways it was just a full celebration and I got to really experience that uh, that whole process that I never was able to during the last hunting season so very very fulfilling very happy 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 uh, moment and evening for me without a doubt despite it yeah again being quite challenging to actually field dress this animal so i uh you know hemmed and hawed halfway through and i'm like am i even going to be able to finish this or should i just start actually taking this apart you know and, and salvaging the meat that i need but i was able to get the guts out and uh yeah everything worked out fine um i was able to salvage the heart um no damage there. And in looking at like, yeah, cause of death, it's just, um, you know, looking at like rib, a rib that was broken that actually most likely punctured, uh, the stomach, uh, just based on where it was kind of situated and things like that. And, um, honestly, but it was, um, it was, yeah, it was very, like I said, very special. Uh, and at the end of it all, um, I'd say of, of, I guess the last of my like little tips here that I had jotted down is honestly to bless and thank the animal. It was, um, I, the rest of the night after, after butchering it, I had it in uh, like a three season room and I basically uh, was lying on the other side of the door of the three season room, just exhausted, body was sore, um, but like just heart so wide open so grateful um, for the abundance that is always there in front of us. If we're willing to, you know, listen and commune with our local ecology and, and uh, we have, we've entered a relationship of reciprocity with it. I feel like it's, again, it's, I was saying, oh, I can't believe it. as I was coming down, I can't believe it, but it's like, yeah, my human brain, my ego or my personality definitely, you know, oh, I can't believe it. But really it's like, of course, of course I can, because yeah, it was, it, I kind of figured it would go down this way. And it, yeah, I guess the month of January was a, a dry January with no, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that I was gifted, you know, and honestly, like, that's just it. It's, um, there's abundance everywhere if we're open, staying open to receiving it, right? And I know that might sound super hippie, new age and all that, but it it seems to be um, the mindset that I, I just default to nowadays um, instead of, you know, not believing it. It's no, no, believe it and, and ask for what you want. And now I definitely asked for killing a deer during deer season. So I didn't, so there's always, there there was learning, in that, So I did spend the month of January, um, you know, being gifted venison. And I'm just thinking, man, like you'll never go without again. The abundance is there and that's through community, right? So by having that outlook with nature or with your community, there's there's always going to be abundance. And I think that's so important to, um, to manifest right now in our lives, given everything that's going on, to get into community and to start to, um, you know, I guess, create change at that grassroots level in a way that allows you a more sustainable living via living with and living in harmony with the cycles of nature, you know, and staying open to it all. So um, yeah, again, hate sounds so hippy-dippy, but that is the real deal. That's that's my honest belief. So and I'm sure if you guys listening, you're into rewilding and, and nature connection practices, then you probably share that sentiment. So um, yeah, big thank you to that dear and just that whole the whole process I you know it was it was medicine for me that night and I've got well over um yeah gosh I well I haven't finished processing it so I guess I could tell you more the the deer sat overnight and then the next day my brother was able to come because my brother also did not uh, fill his hunting tag this year he actually had taken a shot at a, a lovely deer and uh, did not recover that deer so that was a whole a motion roller coaster in itself, um, but anyway, so yeah, I guess there was a couple years ago where we had processed a, a doe that was hit on the road together, and uh, this one here being my third roadkill now, uh, deer. Anyways, it was, uh, and I was it, happy to share it, right? So happy to share it with him. Um, he's actually my freezer space. I don't have a freezer, uh, freezer space here in the cottage. The little. The cottage, the writer's cottage that I'm currently living at here on the north shore of Lake Erie. So I have to, uh, luckily my brother's got extra freezer space. So my deer or my lamb and whatnot, extra stuff kind of sits there. So happy to obviously share. And I think that's a big part of this, right, is continuing paying it forward. um, Because, yeah, I'm being gifted venison and things like that. So I'm just happy to now have some fresh meat. And, uh, yeah, it's been just about a week. And, yeah, wow not i'm really not sick of eating fresh venison quite yet so from the carpaccio to some backstrap the their day um we did uh had richard bixenic co-host um, extraordinaire over for some deer heart uh, tacos um you know and it was uh just really nice really 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 great to have this again this process that i feel is so uh medicinal to me medicinal to my soul without a doubt it's uh it's amazing blessing to be able to uh, to honestly eat wild meat in this day and age it, it really is something special and something i'm going to chat about more in upcoming episodes i do have a few lined up on um in regards to like traditional diets and hunting uh, or trying to secure you know wild meat versus uh farm raised and things like that so um what else can i talk about in regards to this story no that was it the book the The deer is now um, almost in, you know, freezer bags and in the freezer. So uh, it's a it's a happy ending to a very sad start. It started very sad, right? And posting things online and getting friends, you know, direct messaging. And I understand that we have um, this compassion, and I have this compassion too for animals that die in this way um but at the same time as as much as it might be sad a lot of people saying you know that made me very sad but very happy to hear that you were there to take care of that animal and not just go into wherever they put these animals otherwise right so anyways um that's my story let me know what you think i'd love to hear more uh i've gotten a lot of yeah cool dms and stuff on the subject of roadkill uh i've never actually myself uh consumed like say roadkill squirrel or rabbit stopped again many times to investigate but uh, yeah I know it just depends on where you're at and again um, what you need so uh, yes this could seem gross and it's like I don't I don't need roadkill I've got money I'll just buy whatever grass-fed beef oh okay definitely do that but I would just say haven't like stay open to the idea that this is doesn't have to be gross it's not something that you're going to get sick on if you know what you're doing um and if you're willing like and if if you're new to say hunting i think this is a great way to actually learn how to field dress say a deer if you've never um if you've never killed one before but you like the idea of ooh venison and and eating that and you've got friends that maybe hunt and you you like the idea of having venison like stay open to this idea and uh phone a friend make sure you've got a friend that maybe has got some sharp knives or can help you load it into a vehicle but yeah definitely stay safe know the law, um, you know, take that breath and, and safely collect the animal, uh, make sure it's fresh, assess the, the damage and, uh, yeah, kind of be prepared for this type of thing. Right. And I think that's what rewilding invites us to is to, uh, be prepared to interact and immerse ourselves and have more, uh, deeper wilderness exposure or, you know, wild wildness, more wildness in our life. Right. And, and be prepared for that. Um, cause yeah, you'll never know what you're Gonna cruise by on the highway, essentially. So, anyways, that is it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is another one of those random, rambling solo casts that I'm doing as a way to basically not have big, long winded intros in each episode. So if you guys like this concept and you like the idea of uh, me having shorter intros and getting right to my guests, please let me know. I really do actually enjoy doing these. This one here is a little bit shorter. Um, Maybe I'll combine it with another topic to make a full hour. Maybe not. I don't know yet, Um, but I will obviously. um, I would love to hear you guys' feedback, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Jeez. All right. Stumbling on my words. So that is it. What else can I tell you? Um, yeah. As always, please follow along on Instagram. Um, I've actually just got onto uh, the Clubhouse app. So if you're on Clubhouse and you want to actually connect and talk about rewilding on that platform, I am actually super stoked to do this I was invited uh, a while ago by a friend I had no idea what it was and now a second invite I say hey well what let's check this out and I've been looking as you all know looking for a new uh, way to communicate with everybody in this crazy world of censorship and uh, you know censoring alternative health uh, information holistic health all the things that I'm about and this show is about so anyways check me out on Clubhouse Um, and yeah you can still do the Instagram thing At Rewild My Bio. Anyways, guys and girls, I really appreciate all you wild and wonderful people out there. And as always, stay wild. Thank you for listening to the Rewild My Bio podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you have enjoyed this episode. I have so much gratitude for all of you who continue to share this show with your friends. It really does mean so much to me. If you want more content from Rewild My Bio, then please check out rewildmybio.com to find previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter. In the newsletter, I share blogs I have written and reflections from my current health promotion research. Please follow along on Instagram and Telegram with the handle at RewildMyBio and on Twitter at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay wild.